Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, you mean there's people out there? Isn't that a Seinfeld reference? Hello. It's like the uh, one woman whose stomach growls. I'm so sorry. I've been watching Seinfeld, and I know Connie feels it too, but it's just constant Seinfeld references at this point. I've never. You made one on the last episode that was like. And I thought that's Seinfeld. Yeah, we were talking about friends, and you did the Seinfeld. I did did that on purpose because in my head, they're the same. Wow. I never get it. Except for in this one, Ross and Rachel never actually get together. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And we are doing a special teaser for a Patreon tier that we are considering adding, um, which would include answering listener questions. Um, we've had some questions come in, um, whether it's about ADHD or other things, um, they've come in different waves of, um, people having different questions. So we thought maybe we could take the time to actually address an issue. And if, um, people are interested, then we can add it as a weekly thing for our Patreon subscribers. So, um, if you like this idea, if you like this episode, please reach out to us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com because that really helps us receive feedback from you all to figure out what can we make that people want to listen to. So we had a listener respond with um, wondering if we would be willing to discuss how the religious community perceives mental health and therapy. How do you navigate this topic or explain the benefits of counseling just to people who see it as a threat to their religious beliefs. So for this episode, we brought in the lovely Todd Richards, who um, has been kind enough to join us. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And um, we also think my dad's perspective, being a pastor, could really help kind of draw some insight into um, kind of this question that we're dealing with. So the first qualifier, we talked about this off air. How are we going to answer potentially a very complex question about um, mental health stigma in the church? And we decided to break it down in a couple ways by first adding in a qualifier that this stigma against mental health isn't necessarily limited to the church. Um, There are mental health stigmas are prevalent in a lot of our day-to-day societies. Even if you look at different comedic TV shows, um, they often make jokes about shrinks or something along those lines about somebody who's seeing a mental health therapist. So um, I thought it would just be good to make that sort of qualifier right off the bat. So sometimes people perceive uh, religious communities specifically as being more black and white thinking, more rigid, more controlling, sometimes legalistic or fundamentalist. These are different frameworks that are hard to navigate with mental health. How do you connect those two? How do you make room for that we are not just spiritual beings that have a faith or a relationship with God or whatever religion we might ascribe to, but we are also whole beings that have 
a mental, emotional, relational dynamic, um, all these different aspects to us that we can't just put all of our emphasis into a spiritual realm. Some of the beliefs that we sometimes hear is if you, if you pray harder, if you read enough scripture, if you have enough faith, then maybe you wouldn't feel that way or you wouldn't be suffering, you know, or maybe something is connected to sin or judgment or something that can actually have a way of very much creating more stigma, more shame, more um, alienation of a person instead of welcoming them um, to be able to be known, to be heard, to be cared for and understood. So how do we navigate in the church having a healthier perspective where we can include mental and emotional health and not just focus solely on the spiritual health? Right. Uh, understanding that uh, emotional health and spiritual health are two sides of the same coin, that they're really inseparable and to uh, elevate or focus solely on my spiritual side and neglecting or compartmentalizing or forgetting my emotional side um, is really just I'm just going around in circles when I do that and I'm missing the deeper wholeness that I believe that God wants us to have and who we are. Uh, any religious community is going to act like a family, is set up like and best understood as as a family system. Um, where there are generational expectations and understandings. There's uh, relationship dynamics that will emphasize uh, the community over and above the outside, whatever the outside may be. And that's a, that's a one-sided faith experience, and it misses out on the wholeness of our whole selves, our spiritual, emotional, mental selves. I also think that it expands beyond religion, like what we talked before. I think another situation that somebody could find as well is maybe like attacking their masculinity um, to say, oh, you need you need therapy. Why don't you just man up and deal with it? Or um, other different things like people just assume um, that you're perfect and trying to put out this with social media, it's kind of project the things that are going really well and kind of hide the things that aren't. And so to admit something like, oh, I'm going to therapy or to even have somebody find that out is almost like becoming vulnerable because in this society, it's expected that you're just almost born perfect. Like messing up is kind of for non-geniuses. And so... I, I see this situation expanding so far beyond like religion because there's a stigma in a lot of different corners of society. Um, so I would also like to kind of discuss ways like what happens if you're in this situation. We've kind of discussed both um, 
where does this kind of stigma take place and what is the mindset of the person who is projecting this anti um, mental health stigma, this anti mental health kind of um, verbiage and attitude. And so the last thing that I wanted to discuss was what you can actually do about it, which is kind of what the listener was asking anyway. And uh, one of the things that mom brought up that I thought was really helpful was going back to boundaries, being able to put that one hand over your heart and one hand up in front of you to be able to differentiate um, kind of what's yours and what's somebody else's. Which can be a really hard thing to do, particularly with your family of origin and you've been raised a certain way and there are certain sometimes unspoken expectations or rules that a family has and to be able to acknowledge where you might think or feel differently than they do. Um, we can do that kind of uh, interaction with respect. So I always want to stick that out there as an important part of emotional and mental health is having respect for yourself, but also for someone else and honoring your experience and allowing it to be different than someone else's experience and being able to stay curious and open and willing to talk about how we're experiencing things. One of the things that we shared with reducing stigma is to be able to say, you know, here's, here's what I've been benefiting from with my counseling. It's really helped me to have a different outlook on life or to feel more resolved in some of the places that I really felt tangled up or overwhelmed or having someone to support me and be able to listen and hear me has been really helpful for me. And so being able to be vulnerable enough to share that might help someone who's completely unfamiliar with it, who has no context for it to maybe be a little bit more open. I've got two things. Uh, one is the best example of, uh, speaking back or, um, good boundaries when it came to being assaulted with spiritual language was Julie, what, 20 years ago now? Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's been, been about a while. That long. <laughs> so, uh, we were in, uh, no, Sam, it was around. We were in uh, graduate school. I was, I was finishing up my seminary work and um, it was the end of our time in graduate school and all of our friends, we, we went to a school that was, was a lot of United Methodist folks and they all knew where they were going after seminary and we weren't <laughs> United Methodist folks. And um, so we had no idea what we were doing and we had neighbors across the street and I had just gone in for some emergency surgery and had come out and was away on a retreat. And the neighbors across the street invited Julie and Samuel and Noah and Emma over. Uh, they're going to cook for them and take care of them while I'm gone. And you pick up the story. <laughs> our neighbor says... So our neighbor is in training to be a pastor, which I think is a significant part of the story, and says to me, when I'm going through things like this, I always like to think about the suffering of Jesus and how 
nothing that I have gone through will ever be as much as he has gone through with the blood of Jesus covering us or some kind of, oh my word, it was so awful. And what did you say to him? <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I, I spoke to him by name, but I said, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> I said, that's awful. Like, it just completely invalidated everything that we were going through as if it couldn't possibly rank or compare to Jesus being hung on the cross. So I think one of the most practical things you can do is when people give you spiritual advice or they try and spiritualize your problems is to call out the truth. That does not help me at all. Or how did you think that was supposed to help me? Or just simply state the obvious of what you're feeling, what you're thinking and feeling, is I have no idea how that's connecting with me and I'm confused as to why you asked me that, why you said those things or how you think that would help. Because in our context that we're talking about here, when we talk about religious and spiritual things within a, a spiritual or religious community, we often don't get that. We don't get any pushback when we say things. Everyone uh, has their platitudes and their our, phrases that they supposedly yep. comfort each other with, but are really empty and hollow yeah. and missing it. And really, even more so, causing more damage and increasing the suffering of someone or increasing the pain instead right. of sometimes we give platitudes that are intended to be comforting and offer support maybe because we don't know what to say but if we actually are on the receiving end when we're hurting or when we're suffering and someone says something you know that's cushioned in Christian language or something religious or something, it really comes off as a platitude that is empty and hollow and it increases the pain and suffering instead of bringing comfort that was intended. Part of what I think what happens whenever you validate somebody is just being able to say what you're feeling is okay and what you're feeling is real and the reactions you're having to this are okay and as soon as you kind of go off into the like, well, just God will just get us through this if you just have faith is really invalidating. And like you said before with that story earlier about, well, Jesus suffered much greater on the cross is so invalidating because then it feels like, well, do does my pain not count until I'm actually nailed up there? Mm -hmm. Like, and is everything below that just not pain doesn't count? Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I think another thing about feeling like your like your emotions aren't real is you feel isolated and alone to say no one understands that I'm hurting even though I am. So that was my first thing is just when people say things to you that uh, invalidate or they don't make connect with where you are just call them on it. So how is it supposed to help? Uh, the second thing is actually, it, it, it is taken from a, a passage of scripture, and that's you don't you don't cast your pearls before swine. 
uh, is your story is your story. And you only share your story with people who are safe. Um, and not everybody is safe. Uh, not everybody in our religious communities are safe. Uh, I don't want to tell you my deep, dark stuff because I don't trust you know how to use it. And just because you are in a spiritual community uh, doesn't mean that everybody in that community is trustworthy with your story. So hold your story as sacred, as as pearls. There's as something to be protected and cared for and sh- shared with somebody who can handle the sacredness that it is. And that's true for your family. It's true for your uh, faith community. Um, it, it's to hold your story as sacred. And if therapy and your mental health, emotional health issues, it's not like what you all have been talking about in previous issues. It's not my crazy. It's not this label. It's, it's something sacred. It's something worth uh, protecting and sharing with somebody as if it's really valuable because it is. I really think that um, that makes a lot of sense. And what I like to think about it, too, because I think it's what our listener was experiencing was in a familial instance, like whenever it's your family. Um, sometimes families aren't safe spaces. And that's okay, um, because I don't think you can choose, well, you can choose your family, but your bloodline is really hard. And so instead finding, looking for those safe spaces, whether it exists in your friend group, maybe exists in some different pockets within your own spiritual place as well. Um, but looking for those safe spaces and understanding like, maybe talking to my parents about this isn't necessarily a safe space. And that's okay in the short term as well. Maybe your long-term plan is instead, what if you just peppered in little details of mental health that have helped you? Like, whenever I feel angry, I just breathe and count to 10 is one of the ways that you can just slip in a mental health tip without even talking about your therapist at all. And um, (coughs) my friend... (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, I mean... Friend, <laughs> I, whether it's your family or it's your faith community, uh, they have to earn the right to hold that sacred thing. And the way that your faith community or your family owns earns the right to do that is by is through vulnerability. It's through sharing their own vulnerabilities and sacredness. Um, one of the biggest complaints of the church is. Uh, we're a bunch of hypocrites who think we have it all together. And the truth is, uh, the truth is the church is a bunch of really broken people who get together uh, because we're really broken people. And uh, we believe that together there's a place where healing can come, not to take away that brokenness, uh, but to... Uh, to make something beautiful out of what's been broken. If your faith community isn't willing to share that vulnerability and that brokenness together, that's something to hold back 
and keep for yourself. And maybe find a different faith community. I wasn't going to say that. But yes, I mean, that's that's a part of it is sharing real life together involves being vulnerable and sharing our brokenness. And if you're in a place where your faith community isn't sharing that way, it's it's a little harder. And if it's your family that is creating that kind of environment, then there's a limit really to how much you can share. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. That's sad. We have to grieve that. But it makes sense to practice our boundaries and to hold sacred the things that are really valuable to us and try to stay open and curious and respectful and honoring at the same time that we maybe don't share all the details of something because it's not really safe to do that. And you talk about it with your therapist. And then you go and process it and counseling and that's what helps bring more healing and further resolution. So that's important too. So we're kind of reaching the end of the episode. I want to keep these a lot shorter because, um, we're just trying to answer some listener questions. Sometimes our episodes get pretty up there. So we want to keep this quick and succinct. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us um, on our special pre-Patreon episode. Um, if you have any thoughts, please email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com um, or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Adrian's been on fire, so you'll get a, a lot of updates and um, a lot of material. And that's primarily how we share our news and our updates. So check us out on um, Facebook and Instagram. Additionally, all the iTunes comments, reviews, those all help a ton. Um, Community Roots has already been dipping in and out of the ranked um, lists on iTunes. And so every time you rate and review us and you leave that comment, that really helps our podcast and really helps us grow. So please go to iTunes and rate and review us. Can I leave a Yelp review? And uh, we promise we won't keep asking my dad onto the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, please join us next week. 